This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. BC's government has made major changes to the way family doctors are paid with the hope of attracting and retaining medical professionals in that province. But will it help attract enough talent to address severe waits to see a GP in BC? I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10 Katie DeRosa, who covers provincial politics for the Vancouver Sun and the province, joins me to discuss the nature of the changes, why this new system is preferred among doctors, and whether it could increase competition between provinces to attract talent. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and Amazon Music. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Katie, as Canada has reckoned with a global pandemic, and as we move forward away from it, or hopefully away from it, the state of our healthcare system and, and talk has turned to access to care, how we take care of our healthcare workers, and to that end, on October 31st, BC announced pretty significant changes to how family doctors in that province are paid. What, what do these changes entail? Basically, Health Minister Adrian Dix, uh, he's been under pressure for, for months to address the exodus of family doctors who say that the overhead is too expensive, that they're working long hours to do their paperwork, uh, that they're rushed through their appointments or sorry, their appointments with client, uh, with patients. And so, therefore, um, Adrian Dix was really, uh, again, under pressure to address this. So uh, last week, he announced an overhaul of the payment model for family physicians. So they will be paid based on time spent with patient, based on complexity of the patient's issue, based on the number of patients attached to the, the clinic as a sort of incentive to attach more patients to a family doctor, and also based on the, the physician's overhead. So the government is now saying that physicians in BC, once this takes it back in February, will earn uh, around $385,000 a year if they're working f- full-time and taking a a fairly full patient load. And however, out of that 385,000, then they pay their overhead out of that. So that's usually about 30 to 40%. So that puts BC doctors up the pay list only after uh, doctors in Alberta in terms of how much they're paid across Canada. And why is why is the BC government making that change? Is, is, Is it to attract doctors to BC? Is it to keep doctors in BC? Well, so it's both. So they have said it is to retain existing doctors. We have had story after story of doctors who are closing their practice, you know, putting you know hundreds or thousands of patients out without a doctor because it is not feasible. I spoke to some healthcare researchers who said that, you know, 30 to 70 percent of family doctors 
do either part or all of their work outside family physician offices. So they're doing uh, hospitalist work where they're dealing with emergency care. They're doing specialist work where they're working with, say, people with addictions or, or uh, pregnant women, uh, pregnant people, um, uh, maternity care. So there's lots of types of family doctors, but there's a really small amount of uh, doctors choosing to work in the longitudinal care setting, which is basically when you you go in, you have a relationship with that doctor, and they know your medical history. That is where the the payment model was really unattractive to a lot of family doctors compared to other more specialist roles. Why is there a shortage of family doctors in BC? Is it for similar reasons to across the country, or are there specific reasons that are unique to British Columbia? Well, you know, it does sound like this is an issue that's being across uh, Canada but you know in BC we keep hearing the number that there's approximately a million British Columbians who do not have access to a family doctor there's about 6600 family physicians in total in the province but only 4100 of them are working in longitudinal care so again in those clinic settings where they're seeing you know uh, patients every day and and the same patient list Um, so you know in uh, in August the, the government also announced a $25,000 grant for family doctors to cover their overhead costs. So again, the, the issue of overhead costs is obviously very, um, uh, a big, a big cost for doctors. And so if their uh, wages are, are eaten up by 30% of overhead costs, and then they're working overtime to do all this paperwork, there's a huge level of burnout. And so it's, there's, their family doctors I've talked to have said there's not enough incentive to keep them in that, um, that model. And so that's why the government responded with this new pay structure. And again, the family doctors I spoke to after the payment model was announced were very positive. They were really happy that what they've been telling the province uh, that they've been listened to, you know, they were asking for not just a fee for service, which is basically just getting uh, $30 or $40 per patient, but have it be um, multifaceted in terms of doctors being paid based on time, complexity, overhead. So they're paid for, uh, the doctors are saying now all their work is recognized as opposed to just the work they do with the patient in the exam room. Does this make BC doctors or BC family doctors, I guess I should say, the the highest paid in the country or is it still behind uh, Alberta, I believe you mentioned. Yeah, it will make them the second highest paid. So according to the uh, Canadian Institute for Health Information, they have a national physician database. Uh, For 2019 and 2020, which is their most recent stats, Alberta doctors were making, uh, family doctors were making 393,000. Again, that's not including overhead. But now with BC doctors making uh, 385,000 for full-time care, uh, that's about seeing 1,200 patients a year, um, that will put them second uh, second after Alberta and just ahead of, of Quebec. So it, that the NDP opposition leader, Rachel Notley, was saying that this could actually attract Albertan doctors and, and doctors across the country to BC. Um, BC obviously has a higher cost of living, so that's got to be factored in there. But obviously, Rachel Notley was already concerned that this could create an exodus of doctors from Alberta. So there is a bit of jockeying between the provinces right now as to who has the better deal, uh, where the doctors are going to go, and uh, and basically who's giving uh, doctors enough perks to to lure them to the province given the shortage nationwide. Yeah. And, and when you look at this 
on the whole, what is the, the cost of BC taxpayers? I assume that the government is going to be shelling out more money for this to bring in more doctors, retain doctors and pay them more. What's the total bill for this increase? So the health ministry said the total bill is going to be $707 million over three years. Now, I've, you know, a lot of people think that figure seems low, so that is seems to be an estimate. Another part of this, in addition to the payment model, the government is also simultaneously negotiating a physician master agreement. So that is basically for all doctors, not just family doctors. So, you know, uh, anesthesiologists, specialists, consultants. And so that agreement will also um, result in a 13.5% pay increase over three years. And now that is three times higher than the increases recently negotiated for doctors in Ontario and Alberta. So again, that seems to be BC really making a statement that we're going to compensate family doctors and, and all doctors uh, accordingly, but you know, that is going to cost the taxpayer. So the figure we've been, uh, that has been cited is uh, 707 million. But again, I think there's, that could go over, but uh, the, the health ministers across Canada are making the case to Ottawa that the federal government needs to step up and give more uh, Canada Health transfer uh, funding. So maybe they're hoping to pay for it with with federal cash that hasn't come yet. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Now, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the talk of retaining doctors, attracting doctors to BC, obviously could be seen as a positive. But when it comes to patient care, what are the purported benefits to this particular model over the old model? Uh, that's a great question. I, you know, we're talking about doctors, but what the health minister, what Adrian Dix is saying, and what the doctors of BC is saying is that this is going to benefit patients because they're saying that the more uh, doctors who are attracted here, the more doctors we have, the easier it will be to get attached to a primary care clinic. Uh, so obviously they're saying for patients, that means easier access to a doctor, longer visits. Um, often when patients go to a doctor, the doctor will say, you can I can only see you for one issue at a time. Now they can you know, deal with all their issues at once because some of those issues may be connected. There's been a real concern about the speed with which people can access cancer treatment. And a lot of times, if you're not getting the primary care uh, based on an issue that's happening, you might get delayed diagnosis if you can't see a family doctor fast enough. So you know, the, the health ministry is promising that this will make the situation better for patients. The family doctor crisis pushes people into emergency rooms because if you can't see a family doctor and you're waiting too long to get an issue dealt with, you may wait so long that you actually have to go to emerge. And so, again, we're seeing overcrowded emergency rooms uh, in small towns, emergency rooms that are closing because they don't have the staff. So if, if you're seeing that trickle-down effect, addressing primary care could stop people from going to emergency. So I think there's a lot of ways that it could benefit the patient. But I mean, we, we could be years down the road because it takes time for 
doctors to go to med school and then look around for which province they want to practice in. Or um, yeah, so I think it will take some time to attract the doctors that are needed here. Uh, so hopefully it, it works quickly. But I, I think the healthcare system is in such a shambles right now. There's no quick fix. Is there a sense that it will do what's intended in helping people without a family doctor? I mean, BC is a very large province and there's, I'm sure, remote communities that may struggle more than than larger centers at, at bringing in professionals like family doctors, you know, are there concerns that this may attract people to some areas, but not everywhere? I mean, yes, I've, I've definitely heard that concern. Uh, part of the physician master agreement, the government is also promising uh, better incentives for rural doctors. So, you know, again, paying them uh, a, a perk so that they will live in a sort of more remote community. The government is also promising by the middle of next year to create sort of a patient roster. And so that would be a, a province-wide list of who has a, who is attached to a family doctor, and and then if you're not, you can put your name on that list to be attached to a doctor. So right now we have that basically just region wide. So some regions will have that program, whereas other regions don't. And so the province is also saying that's a way to get people connected and to have almost a province wide picture of who is left without a family doctor. Uh, however, I did talk to a researcher who looked at the patient wait lists across Canada or uh, systems that will touch patients to family doctors. And the average wait time is like three to four years. So again, not a quick fix at all. Um, so definitely a lot of promises being made and, and maybe hope being felt from patients. But if you're trying to see a doctor for an issue right now and you're calling walk-in clinics and, uh, you know, going to emerge and waiting hours, I don't think you know, the announcement is going to make any difference to you just yet. And again, if you have a health issue, you want access, you want an issue solved quickly. So um, I think it's, it's hopefully setting the stage for some solutions, but I feel like people are, people who are frustrated right now are still going to be frustrated. Mm -hmm. And then overall, I assume that this decision was seen as a positive move by family doctors in BC um, what has been the response and, and are there any other moves that they would like to see the provincial government take? Well, I talked to um, uh, Dr. Alika Lafontaine from the Canadian Medical Association, and he, he definitely applauded the move, but said, you know, more needs to be done. Uh, one of the things he would like to see is a national licensing system. So that would make it easier for doctors to train in one province and practice in another. You know, again, that could you know, make it more of a, uh, the issue of sort of poaching doctors from one jurisdiction to another. But at the same time, you know, he said doctors, you know, they don't always, they're not always just motivated by, by money. They're motivated on quality of life and, and other factors. So, you know, he wasn't so concerned about, about the prospect of poaching, but definitely, you know, all the provinces are trying their best to make it most attractive to come work in their province to address these shortages. Um, so another issue is uh, making it easier for international doctors to practice here. So that is something that, that the provinces are looking to the federal government to do because, you know, they have a bit more control over uh, some of those, uh, the, the licensing um, process. But again, also the provinces have uh, the ability to to make it easier for those international doctors to work here. So, uh, you know, you hear stories of, of people who are trained as as doctors in in their home country and they're 
they're working in, in very lower level health, uh, health roles. So that is a huge source of untapped uh, talent who could be working here. So I think there are steps to be made for sure. I mean, they did make it easier for international nurses to work here in BC. So if they made that step, there's a lot of people calling for the next step on doctors. So that is definitely some feedback. Also increasing the number of, of medical seats, increasing the number of people who can train at med school. So that again is something that the, the federal government could increase funding for. I think that BC has been asking for that. So uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of ideas and that the, you know, I think the BC government is just trying to keep up as fast as it can. And again, the perception is that it needs to move faster to, uh, to, address this health crisis. You mentioned earlier this idea that there could be competition between provinces to attract doctors. I know, as you mentioned, Alberta NDP leader, the opposition leader, Rachel Notley, raised the specter of BC potentially poaching doctors away from Alberta who may be upset with the United Conservative Party government. And I I recall recently that also an Ottawa hospital was, was actively trying to recruit Alberta doctors by way of social media. And even Alberta itself has these ads that have been running across the country. Alberta's calling and they're trying to get professionals to move from elsewhere in Canada to set up shop in Alberta due to like a a tax advantage and lower cost of living and all these sorts of things. Is the BC government at the stage of actively trying to recruit doctors from other provinces, or is that still, you know, something that may be down the line once they get this this wage uh, or this billing system in effect? Well, it's interesting because when uh, a few months or a few weeks ago, Premier John Horgan was asked about the Alberta's calling campaign and if he was worried that it's going to take family doctors out of BC uh, into Alberta, where again the cost of living is lower, and uh, the premier said, "Well, I think." That that campaign is is uh, antithetical to what we're trying to do as as premiers, which is work together and, and call on the federal government to create sort of a national uh, health care plan. And so he kind of slammed Alberta for doing something that was not in within the you know within the spirit of cooperation between the premiers. But then, you know, with BC increasing the wages, one can say that BC is playing its own game to try and attract doctors from elsewhere. And clearly that got the attention of Rachel Notley enough to say, you know, she said that uh, BC is building respect and trying to end chaos in healthcare. Again, you know, alluding to the fact that she thinks Danielle Smith is adding to chaos in healthcare by, by that quote. So it definitely seems like the competition is ramping up. Up, whether or not they, you know, BC has a campaign like Alberta, you know, we don't have that yet. But but who knows? I mean, we have a new premier next week, uh, David Eby. Uh, his wife is a family doctor, so he has a, a, a expertise right in his, his household in terms of how the situation is, is faring. So maybe we will have a, a national camp or a, a province-wide campaign to bring more more doctors here. So it, it's it, I think there's um we don't really know exactly what uh, what you know premier designate David Eby is going to do on healthcare he he's kind of made some vague uh, you know promises but he hadn't had its clear platform on healthcare so uh, you know things could change once he takes over and, and we have to see what that direction looks like mm-hmm. and one last question you mentioned cooperation between the provinces and I know as we're recording this on on Monday morning health ministers from all the provinces are meeting in Vancouver to 
obviously discussed the situation in healthcare and, and potentially maybe funding asks from the federal government. Do you know what's on their agenda and what they may be hoping to raise with the federal government? Yeah. So yeah, the, the 13 uh, uh, health ministers from the provinces and territories are in Vancouver. Federal health minister Jean-Yves Duclos will also be there. Last week when I talked to Adrian Dix about what was on the agenda, it was basically the same ask as in July when the premiers gathered in Victoria, which was basically the, the premiers and the health ministers having the united call for more healthcare dollars. So BC, uh, all the premiers basically have said that the share of healthcare funding that is provided by Ottawa is 22%. And they're saying that that is a, a you know, historical low. They want to see the share of healthcare funding up to 35%. So uh, basically that Ottawa would, would fund 35% of the province's healthcare budget. Uh, for example, for BC, that would mean an increase of uh, $3.9 billion a year. So, you know, not a small chunk of change. Um, the, the federal health ministry said in July it gave the provinces and territories a one-time top-up of $2 billion, but that's spread over all the provinces and territories. Um, so, you know, the, there's this battle between provinces saying you're not giving us enough and the federal federal government saying, you know, we are giving you enough. And also Prime Minister Justin Trudeau had said that any increase in the health transfer needs to come with, you know, clear outcomes, clear um indication of what the money will be spent on. So, you know, basically indicating that he's not going to write a blank check to the provinces. So I think they will be talking about that issue. That is, again, the, the biggest issue for the health ministers. And uh, we'll see if, if Minister Duclos is receptive to that. Again, the, the conference in July did not make any uh, headway on that issue. So there's definitely a sense of frustration. Definitely a sense that the health ministers aren't afraid to up the rhetoric and call the, the federal government out. It says that it's not coming to the table. It's not even negotiating. So you can sense the frustration every time, uh, every time the health minister or, you know, the premier speaks about this issue. Uh, so we'll have to see if there's if there's any solutions or if everyone just goes back to their provinces after, you know, banging the drum, but not actually getting any results. So uh, we'll, we'll have to see, you know, what comes out of it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I know it's an important discussion and, and an issue that's top of mind for many Canadians. Katie, thanks for your time. Thanks so much, Dave. 10-3 is produced by Tyler Dawson. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Katie DeRosa. More from her at VancouverSun.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.